Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. An Erio's original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and I am The Alarmist. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where a guest and I talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Now, before we get started, I just want to ask you guys to review, subscribe, rate, all that fun stuff. Here is a comment and a review that we got recently. This is from Cortez Jamerson. Okay. And uh, they say, a hidden gem, five stars. As someone who loves histories and stories that, are not, that not many people may know about, this is one of the best podcasts I've heard in a while. It's a history lesson without the typical dryness that comes with listening about history. The host is wonderful. Thank you, Jamie. Jamerson. 
<laughs> and uh, has a great voice and wonderful storytelling ability. I always look forward to the next episode. And if you haven't listened yet, what are you waiting for? Seriously, ask yourself, what are you waiting for? I added that last part. Thank you so much. It really means a lot. And it helps us do more of these. So today we're doing the Waco Siege and David Koresh. I must admit that I really didn't remember much about this tragedy except for those images that um, you're probably thinking of, of, of a compound and a fire and the news stations all, all huddled up and trying to get footage of this. I, I didn't really understand what was going on. Um, and now that I've learned more about it, wow, is it crazy. Let's get started. Here's what you need to know about the Waco siege and David Koresh. The Waco siege was the siege of a compound belonging to the religious sect Branch Davidians. It was carried out by American federal and Texas state law enforcement, as well as the U.S. military, between February 28th and April 19th, 1993. The Branch Davidians were led by David Koresh and were headquartered at Mount Carmel Center Ranch, 13 miles northeast of Waco. Suspecting the group of stockpiling illegal weapons, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, ATF, obtained a search warrant for the compound and arrest warrants for Koresh and a select few of the group's members. The incident began when the ATF attempted to raid the ranch. An intense gun battle erupted, resulting in the deaths of four government agents and six Branch Davidians. Upon the ATF's failure to raid the compound, a siege lasting 51 days was initiated by the FBI. Eventually, the FBI launched an assault and initiated a tear gas attack in an attempt to force the Branch Davidians out of the ranch. During the attack, a fire engulfed Mount Carmel Center in circumstances that are still disputed. This resulted in the deaths of 76 Branch Davidians, including David Koresh. 21 of the victims were children under the age of 16. David Koresh was born Vernon Wayne Howell on August 17, 1959. He joined the Branch Davidians at age 22 and became their spiritual leader. David believed he had the gift of prophecy and, among other things, saw himself as divinely ordained to live out the depiction of the end of the world in the Book of Revelations. Fun Facts, a.k.a. Death Stats Koresh is the biblical name of Cyrus the Great, a Persian king who was named a messiah for freeing Jews during the Babylonian captivity. His first name, David, symbolized a lineage directly to the biblical king, David, for whom the new messiah would descend. By taking the name of David Koresh, he was professing himself to be the spiritual descendant of King David, a messianic figure carrying out a divinely commissioned errand. Koresh played guitar and sang in services at Mount Carmel Center. His band played a few times at clubs in Waco, and former members, such as David Thibodeau, have written that he recruited them through music. At the time of the initial raid, 123 people, including 43 children, were inside the multi-story building where Koresh lived with followers. Of those 123, only 41 survived. 
Koresh was found with a bullet to the head next to his right-hand man, Steve Schneider. No one knows whether he killed himself or if he was shot by Schneider. According to the FBI, Steve Schneider, quote, probably realized he was dealing with a fraud, shot and killed Koresh, and then committed suicide with the same gun. Only nine of the Branch Davidians escaped the fire. Pathology studies concluded that at least 20 Branch Davidians, including Koresh, were shot in the head or mouth, and one, a three-year-old boy, had been stabbed in the chest. The FBI claims not to have fired any shots that day. Wow, um, that is a very intense breakdown of one of history's worst tragedies. To help me today figure out who's to blame, I have guest of honor, Matt Gorley. One of history's best tragedies. <laughs> they keep calling them great tragedies, which oh, I have a serious problem with that. I was referring to myself as one of history's best tragedies. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited to be here. A, it's lovely to be a podcast guest in my own home. And B, I love this podcast. And I, I, it's been so long since I've talked about this subject that I love it too. So I'm thrilled to be here. Well, thank you. We're ha we're so excited to have you on as a guest and as a listener. It's weird to do this in this context too, because we're friends <laughs> and we're here with my wife. And normally when the three of us are together, there's cocktails. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. Guys, we have so much fun. I know. <laughs> we really do. <laughs> there's usually a nice meal that Amanda's cooked. Yeah. Sometimes it's a potluck. Ooh. Uh, but I also have to give a special shout out to to Matt because he helped us sound design the wonderful intro that you all hear on every episode of The Alarmist. Oh. That's true. And I get so many compliments on that intro. Well, like I said, I'm a big fan of this podcast and uh, I'm not surprised it's doing so well. Aww. Congratulations. Well, thank you. And um, so now I, I thought you'd be the perfect guest because I, I know for this particular tragedy, because I know that you actually have something of David Koresh. It happened by accident, but I have it here right now in my lap. Please tell us the story. It is a 1978 Ibanez musician electric guitar. And it's just, I was looking for a good vintage guitar, and this must have been, oh my God, like 16, 17 years ago, that long ago? Early I 2000s. And I went to this store to look at it. And I, knowing me, I was like, I just like the way it looks. I, I wasn't so much of a musician that I cared about the way it sounded. Because it's <laughs> this like dark, natural wood guitar with a lighter wood stripe down the middle. And that's nothing you would ever choose? No, it is. Oh, I, yeah. I think it's, it's I a very chose good it looking. because I liked the way it looked. Yeah. It's probably not even that great of a playing guitar. But then after I bought it... They said we weren't going to tell anybody until after it was sold, but that guitar was owned by David Koresh, the oh Waco, God. Texas cult leader. So there's no proof of it, but he gave me the case, and the case has like his a David Koresh <gasps> written on it. And he said the story was that before David Koresh left for Texas from San Francisco, he left this behind, and his roommate sold it to the store. Oh, you can my God. Feel how heavy it is. God, it's very heavy, guys. It's heavier than like a, a four-year-old or something. <laughs> and I swear, like, you know me, I'm no superstitious guy, but man, this thing breaks a string or the strap falls off every time I play it. You know? <laughs> it's got bad karma. Yeah. As it should. Yeah. Um, well, it must have been when he went to... I know that there was a period of time uh, in his life that he came to Hollywood in California to try and be a... 
a rock star. As they all do, man. I know. And I have a CD of his songs. No. Yeah, and he's not bad. He's no Manson. Like, Manson was shit. Yeah, yeah. This guy's got something. He's got some chops. Okay, well, he... I I mean, there's so much to talk about because, you know, he was... uh, I mean, he played in the cult, I guess, at services. <laughs> Not the band, the cult, but the actual cult. That's how hardcore this guy was. And and we'll get into it. But there's this part of the story that is really creepy where he's singing. And I won't I, I won't I won't talk about it yet. But um, yeah, so so let's get started on this very um, sad tragedy. And, and the way I want to kind of do this, you know, is by maybe getting to know the cult a little bit. <laughs> the Branch Davidians. <laughs> or where they came from, how it all yeah. started. Um, so the Davidians are a splinter branch of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I just want to know. What a splinter. Yeah. Wow. Th- they're not Seventh-day Adventists. Right. So that, I think that's a, an important distinction. Um, I actually, one of my uh, best friends growing up was Seventh-day Adventist. Yeah, that's a fairly common church right yeah yeah i mean they're all over la they're yeah. they're not as popular in in miami but um i mean she went to a, even a, a seventh-day adventist uh school oh so they're you know they're on the up and up i think they're the ones that always rub me the wrong way not for any reason you'd think but because their sign is a their logo is a cross that is has poor perspective it's drawn in poor perspective <laughs> and it drives my visual mind crazy every time i see it <laughs> So that's my beef with you, you Seventh-day Adventist. <laughs> they should have gotten a better, I don't know, graphic designer. Yeah, or something. Yeah. <laughs> Assuming, yeah. I mean, I guess Seventh-day Adventists have been before, here since before computers. I don't think graphic designing was a, a job. Sure it was. But- <laughs> yeah, all the way back to any time anyone had to do a logo. That was, I mean, yeah. Jesus had a great graphic designer, right? He was a it carpenter was a simple himself. Cross, yeah. right. Just a simple cross. Right. Just a simple cross. Yeah. Um. The the statue of him dying on it came much afterwards. Yeah, I don't think he had that commissioned while he no. was up there. Like, real quick. That wasn't approved. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so the Davidians are a, a, a splinter uh, branch. And they're founded in 1929 by Victor Hutef. Wow. Now, I'm definitely saying that incorrectly. Um, Matt, it's spelled H-O-U-T. E-F-F. Sounds right to me. Utef. <laughs> I didn't realize they were that old. And I've read like yeah. a whole... I one time read a whole book on this thing and I've forgotten all of it. So this is still news to me. Well, if you got, you're out there and you're interested in this, there's a great documentary on Amazon Prime right mm. now. I don't know. Just put in Waco Siege and it'll come up. <laughs> I, I think we may have watched that. Did we? It's a two-parter. Yeah. Really good. Really, really good. Huh. Um, so this, this guy, Hutef... He's a traveling salesman and a Sabbath school teacher from Los Angeles. Interesting. <laughs> because like Pentecostalism you think of as this deep South church, but that all comes from L.A. too. And Scientology. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, L.A. and California have have a more of a religious um, contribution to society than one might think. Yeah, a hotbed of cults. <laughs> Fertile breeding ground. <laughs> so this guy uh, produces a 172-page manuscript entitled "The Shepherd's Rod," um, that called for denominational reform and reinterpretation of the Seventh-day Adventist, uh, Adventist eschatology. Great word, right? Wow, yeah. It means the end of times. Good. How nice. <laughs> so, 
Okay, Hutef's death <laughs> is 1955. And another group breaks away to form the Branch Davidians. And... Uh, Wait, was he a Branch Davidian or was he a Seventh-day Adventist? a Davidian. So there's Seventh-day Adventists, okay. then there's the Davidians, and then there's Branch Davidians. Whoa, okay. Okay. And the names uh, uh, alluding to the anointed branch mentioned mentioned in Zechariah. Oh, yeah. This. I love Zechariah. Zechariah 3, 8 and uh, oh. 6, 12. Tell me. Don't, <laughs> don't get me started. I'll do it for word for word. <laughs> well, apparently David Koresh could. I bet he could. He memorized the Bible top to bottom. I don't doubt it. Yeah. So Hutef had... Okay. So he had founded the Davidians... Uh, based on the prophecy of imminent apocalypse, as they usually do. <laughs> and uh, it involves the second coming of Jesus and the defeat of the evil armies of Babylon. As they usually do. <laughs> and they he moves this group to a church at a hilltop several miles east of Waco, uh, Waco, Texas. And he names uh, they name it Mount Carmel uh, after a mountain in Israel mentioned in the Bible's Old Testament. So... 1959, then, uh, the widow of Victor Hutef, Florence Hutef, announces that the expected Armageddon is about to take place, and members are told to gather at the center to await this event. Many built houses, they have trucks, tents, buses, most sold their possessions. Nothing happens. Hmm. Following the failure of this prophecy, control of Mount Carmel fell to Benjamin Roden. And he's the founder. He's the one who founded the Branch Davidians. Okay. Um, so he, you know, he's got his own run and his version, and then he dies. After he dies, control falls to his wife, Lois Roden. And you're like, why is this important? Why do I need to know? Is all that this? the woman he married? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this gets good. So like, this, it is gets, a, this gets real good, this guys. This is like cable TV show level, like premium cable TV show level drama. <laughs> I, I think Paramount did, just did uh, a show about this. Really? Paramount yeah. Network, you oh. know, the streaming service. They didn't call for my guitar. <laughs> That's rude. Um, so Lois Roden, she, they have a son and his name is George Roden. But Lois thinks he's unfit to resume the position of prophet. Oh. Instead, she grooms Vernon Howell, who we all know is David Koresh. And she says he's the chosen successor. But really, they're getting it on, right? Isn't that what's that's, going on? That's Did the I, thing. So I didn't mean they're, to... they're actual lovers. And she's quite a bit older, She's right? in her 60s. He, and he's... In and his... he's, uh, I, I believe he's 22. Yeah. Something... <laughs> <laughs> Something steamy uh, like that. I love it. Uh, what'd you say? I love it. <laughs> well, now I, I forgot to write this down, but she claims that she um, she's gotten uh, pregnant, that she gets pregnant in her sixties to David, and that you know she she's carrying the Lamb of God. It's no one knows if she was actually pregnant. I do. She okay. wasn't. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we all do. You knew you had her uh, pregnancy all, test. No, we just we all know she. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's unlikely. Cult people are liars. And <laughs> I mean, it's very science unlikely. is not on her side. No, let's no. just say that. So Lois uh, has a miscarriage, hmm. supposedly, uh -huh. and then David says, "Well, she must not 
be the the chosen one. I am the chosen one. Ooh, man. He <laughs> oh, takes it from her. He's trying to gain control of the group, but he's got this George Roden guy, you know, because she passes away. That's yeah. what happens. She yeah. passes away. George Roden's like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna be it. And David's like, no, it's my my thing. And he, George, who's actually kind of mentally unstable, I, apparently he dug up a body. They dug up like a 20-year-old body uh-huh. and tried to get it to... Um, I, I'm unsure what they did with this body, it, but essentially, it's it's illegal to do that. You can't <laughs> you can't reason. dig up bodies. Shoot. <laughs> and David alerts authorities, and he's like, "Yo, this guy is digging up bodies." And the authorities are like, "Well, we don't have any evidence." And he, David's like, "I'm gonna get you some evidence." So he goes to the compound with a few of his guys, and of course, guns, because George is known to have carry guns as well and you know george catches them a gunfight happens and george gets shot and all david this, shoots him right david yeah. shoots him yeah, yeah. and they uh, later on go to trial and david is acquitted because once they put george up on the stand the jury was like, oh, that guy's crazy. <laughs> I got a little information about this. So apparently they dug up the corpse to because they were having a contest to see which man could uh, was um, spiritually superior and who could raise the dead. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. So that was the, the contest. So, okay, so that's the background on what's going on with uh, these Branch Davidians. Okay. And let's specify the tragedy that we are figuring out who's to blame is this actual Waco siege where yes. the 76 people died and plus the the six branch of Indians in the first raid and the four FBI agents so this is like uh this is what we're really trying to figure out who we can blame who yeah. feels good right it's worth noting that after that shooting i think that's when he goes to San Francisco and then gets this guitar and then leaves it. Really? And then comes back to Texas, I believe. Well, I have so many questions about the guitar, though. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't he bring it with him? It's back a good to question. Waco. Maybe it was one of those leave your possessions behind, or who knows how he had to get out of there. Maybe he had more. Maybe he needed money. Maybe he pawned it. Maybe it's not even David Crush's guitar. <laughs> <laughs> so, off the bat, I feel great about putting David Koresh up there. For blame? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I can give you, I can go on with more backstory because it's fascinating. Yeah. So Koresh comes from a dysfunctional family and uh, his mother was 14 years old when she had him. That's right. Oh, my God. Yeah. He never knew his father who broke up with his mother before she gave birth. Um, And eventually he's raised by his grandmother, who is the one who takes him to the Seventh Day Adventist Church. Mm. So as a teenager, Koresh struggles with dyslexia and was placed uh, in special education classes. And of course, he was considered awkward, unpopular, and was bullied at school. And so he drops out of school before his senior year of high school. And in his 20s, he, and this whole time, he is, you know, very, he focuses on the church. That's his whole thing, the Bible. This is when he learns the Bible and Mm -hmm. he memorizes it. And he's later thrown out of his 
grandmother's evangelical church after pursuing the pastor's teenage daughter <laughs> and saying that God had ordered him to marry her. Oh, boy. Okay. So this is, this is setting up a what's going to continue to be a pattern. Yeah. It's worth mentioning that he's not a bad-looking guy. No, except for the, the, the big glasses. Yeah, but I mean, if you take the period with which this in which this happened. Yeah. But when you hear him sing, he's kind of like, you know, Jeff Buckley. He's kind of like this like chanteuse or something. It's really eerie and ethereal and kind of beautiful in a gross way. Yeah, and it's very Christian. All of his music is yeah. very Christian, right? Yeah. But like Christian rock? It is. But not like you when you think like Christian rock, no. you think like jars of clay. It's not yeah, like that. Yeah. It's more like almost like, <laughs> cool 70s prog rock yeah or like cutting edge indie 80s stuff it's which is such a shame because if he had just channeled his potential into this like christian rock band yeah i know he could have been good he could have been taking over the industry of christian rock he could have been jars of clay he could have been a clay jar there's an industry for this in the 90s especially in the 90s jars of clay (laughs) so david koresh moves to waco and joins the branch davidians and in 1983, he be, that's when he begins claiming this gift of prophecy. And it's spe- speculated by David Thibodeau uh, in his 1999 book, who we know is the guy who he recruited through music. Um, he wrote this book that he had a sexual relationship with Lois Roden. So it's confirmed from Thibodeau. Lo- uh, Roden's the widow mm-hmm. in her 60s. And... Uh, In 1984, so he's already joined the Branch Davidians, Koresh marries Rachel Jones when she's 14 and he's 24. Wow. This is apparently legal under Texas law. Sure it is. And her parents, because her parents gave her permission. And because it's Texas. And because it's Texas. (laughs) But Koresh alleged, uh, was alleged to be in multiple, uh, Okay, so he's alleged to be involved in multiple incidents of sexual abuse, mm-hmm. as we now know. Um, Koresh's doctrine of the House of David did lead to, quote-unquote, marriages with both both married and single women in the group. Um, and it was purport, purportedly included at least one underage girl. So what he would do was, he's like, okay, so there would be couples within the group, and he'd, be, he'd say, now all of your uh, marriages are annulled. And sex is only to be, is not to be um, for pleasure. It's only for procreation. And therefore, you only want me or, or, or procreate with me so that your child comes from me, the yeah. chosen one. And the guy, the husbands mostly went for it. It's just a lot of gross stuff when you kind of. Yeah. Also, when you like couple it with the it. fact that he would do these, I believe, like nightly services. And he had his his whole flock there, and he would just basically play these never ending songs. Yes, it was like you know, like the worst type of hostage to be held is someone with a guitar, and I say that as a guitar player. Like I I hate when people do that, and he would do that, and just think like how manipulated those people had to have been to a put up with giving their wives away, but really to sit there and listen to that shit yeah and and they said that these services would like you'd go and you wouldn't know when it would end yeah and you can't just leave early no No. you couldn't pee no you had to like just pee on yourself if you had to go (laughs) man he's just a raging narcissist of course yeah 
Okay, so, uh, okay, Koresh is a a really bad, abusive guy, and I just feel great putting him up on the board. Um, One of the the, uh, details that I learned that was really disturbing is when the siege started happening. So he has these 43 kids, but not all of them are his. So when the siege starts, he st- he he lets out some of the kids go two by two. Mm-hmm. Well, that's very biblical. <sighs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> um, and but he keeps the the ones that are fathered by him. Wow. So all of the kids that he fathered died mm. in the fire. Oh, that's mm. ironic. And terrible yeah let's move on to like other people (laughs) let's talk about the fbi and the atf it it was a very complicated situation with with those two agencies now the f oh no i'm sorry it was the atf who uh rented a house across the street and set up a group of agents to closely uh monitor the complex so they're on to them and the reason they're on to them is because they were alerted by a delivery guy who was delivering a package at, that was damaged and saw multiple guns and ammunition inside of it and was like, why would a religious organization be buying so many guns? Today, you don't even ask that question. Like, oh, it's a religious organization. Well, and also it's Texas. But I yeah. think the amount, they were literally stockpiling guns. So they have concerns um, that they're possessing illegal firearm material and possibly converting AR-15 semi-automatics uh, semi-automatic rifles into machine guns. And they decide that they're going to raid. Bad raid. So, <laughs> bad idea, bad raid. I want to talk about this FBI agent, Robert Rodriguez. So, he's one of the guys, uh, a- the a- ATF people, who are living across the street. And he gets told that he's he's got to be an undercover agent. And Apparently, he goes in and David is not sold. He He's kind of like on to him, but he is so, I don't know, what's the word? Uh, cocky. Uh-huh. That he thinks he can convert him. Right. That's right. So yeah, he kind of like amazing. takes him in. God. So the, the eight, Robert Rodriguez yes. went in undercover as a cult member? As a, a, just like a person who was interested. He said, um, let's see, he posed as a trade school student named Robert Garcia. Big change. <laughs> <laughs> he, and it said he's here that he visits the compound eight times in the months before the raid and listened to uh, Koresh's endless preaching <laughs> more than any other outside an outsider and came to know the sex uh, sect leaders theology. So he actually goes in for, you know, a while. Then this is what happens. They're all deciding to do this raid and they're like, it has to be uh, perfect. They have, we have to catch them by surprise. Element of surprise was huge because they knew that there were so many guns inside. Right. And they decide on a date and they send Robert Rodriguez the morning of to go and kind of just w- want to talk to David more about the Bible, blah, blah, blah. The ATF is so annoying that they alert the media that there's going to be this why? raid. I, I, it's unclear to me why the, it got 
why they told the news that this was happening. It wasn't a leak. They did it on purpose. I'm looking it up, but uh, Amanda's on it. So there's this lost news truck. And uh, the morning, the truck gets lost, stops a postal worker for directions to the compound. And they tell the postal worker that they're they're going to cover an ATF raid. But what they don't realize is that the postal worker is a member of the Branch Davidians. Crazy. You wouldn't believe it in a movie. No. Yeah. And he's a member. He runs back and he tell he alerts the uh, David Koresh and the people. When the postal worker comes back, Robert Rodriguez is sitting in the house. And apparently he says that Koresh leaves the room. And then when he comes back, he knows something is different. And he starts getting really nervous as I, you and I probably would. And he, he comes in and he says, he turns to him. And this is a quote. They're coming, Robert. The time has come. I knew. And then, then Robert says, I knew for sure that he knew. And that meant a federal raid would fulfill the self-styled Messiah's vision of Armageddon. So he knows it's coming. And the agent flees the compound only an hour before the raid takes place to warn his superiors that they're walking into an ambush. So the way he tells is is that he gets up and he turns to leave. And he's sure that they're going to shoot him, you know, when he turns around. But he doesn't. He just they let him go for some reason. So, first, let's put the lost news truck up on the board. <laughs> and I have a, an update here about um, the why the ATF would tell the media. So it was a leak. They and they um, they okay. The Texas Rangers that I'm reading off of Salon.com. Um, Media and law enforcement officials say journalists were tipped off by Cal Ludke. Ludke L. Ludke, L-U-E-D-K-E, a longtime member of McLennan County Sheriff's Office who was assigned to support the ATF's raid preparation. And Ludke vehemently denies the charge. But um, Dan Mullaney, a former cameraman, told Salon um, that he learned about the raid from Tommy Witherspoon, a reporter, and Tommy said he got it from Ludke. Okay, well, we're putting Ludke up on Ludkey. the door. Ludke, okay. Yeah. So, uh, on the board. Yeah. I said the door. <laughs> <laughs> I had a teacher named Ludke. You did? Well, really? I hope it wasn't the yeah. same guy. Might okay, have so. Might have been. So we're saying Cal Ludke because he tipped off the media. Yes. And then are we also putting the. The truck. The the the, the news truck. Do Let me look up. Let's see if I can get a specific name on that. Robert Rodriguez. I mean, we could also put Robert Rodriguez because he is the one who's in charge of telling his superiors. And I, re- I read somewhere that um, he's got to tell his commander, Chuck Sarabin. They and he and he does. He says they know Chuck. They know, and he reportedly said it in a highly agitated voice. They know we're coming. But Sarabin and another senior agent, a C official, Philip Kajnaki, Chojnaki, hmm. <laughs> uh, testify. They testify later, warning that the warning was too vague to call off the raid. What? Mr. Koresh always thought that the government was coming to get him. They said, and we didn't know if he meant in the physical sense or in the metaphysical sense on that day. Oh, but that's enough to pause. Come yeah. on, Sarabin. So yeah. I think we Sarabin should put Sarabin up on the board. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, how do you spell that? 
It's spelled S-A-R-A-B-Y-N. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Alarmist. Okay, got it. Okay, so let's continue talking about the FBI. Okay. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> So the FBI on the morning of February 28th sends, it's 9 a.m. They wanted to do it the day on Sunday because they thought they would be at church right. or that the men would be separated from the women. So they send an 80-vehicle convoy, including two cattle trailers pulled by trucks and loaded with 76 heavily armed agents. 76, that's as many people as eventually died. Yeah. And they raced up to the property and halted in front as the agents stormed the center. 
Overhead, two Black Hawk, Hawk helicopters arrived almost simultaneously, and that's when the shootout occurs. So this shootout occur, occurs, six of the Davidians die, four of the agents. It's a very sad day. Eventually, there's like, they're saying like, I, what do you call it? Ceasefire. They're trying to do a ceasefire, yeah. but then it'll stop, and then another the other side will start again. And so, there's news footage of this. Like you can see a guy up on a roof get shot in the leg or something, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. And and you there's actually news footage of people being carried off because they didn't think of a backup plan. Yeah. The the FBI didn't have a backup plan, like if it could go wrong, if it were to go wrong. Right. So something like the the police weren't coming, the ambulances weren't <laughs> there to help. Yeah. Um, and they had so many people that were injured as well, because it was like four people died. But I want to say it was oh, more than twenty people were injured. Maybe even more than that. This then goes on for fifty one days. <sighs> so so they're like trying to get people out, and they're the FBI really thinks that they're just going to give in that they, they get this like negotiator yeah what they're talking call- on the phone a lot right yeah. yeah something that the fbi starts doing is psychological warfare and they start shining it's taking longer and yeah. they're like we got to get them out they start shining a spotlight into the house all night to mess with their sleep pattern and blasting music or something? yes yeah, yeah they play uh audio of rabbits being slaughtered and Nancy Sinatra's These Boots Are Made For Walking. Why that? I, I don't know. I guess because it's it's like, they, you know, these boots are made for walking. Like, get out. Maybe. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, oh, what? I wonder if it has anything to do with, like, the repetitious bass line of doom, doom, doom. Oh, good doom, question. Doom, 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 doom. Like, would that start to drive you crazy after a while? I wonder if there's any science or something. That's- and this is what I was talking about earlier. Which, in response, when they would play that music, he would then just play his move at music, blast his music back. His own music? His own music. He would play. <laughs> oh, I gotta hand it to him for that. <laughs> I mean, man, what a narcissist. I, I do believe, um, so music torture is a real yeah. thing. And there is there are song lists um, that they actually, people use uh, to torture people. And Sinatra's... My, these boots are made for walking is on that list. You know, I bet another one is simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Okay, so here it was. Here's a list of songs that uh, are used to torture. What if you wrote a song that got like put on the <laughs> put torture on the list? list? Well, honestly, I'm taking a look at this. This looks like my workout playlist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, torture. So there's The Real Slim Shady by Eminem. Yeah, wow. okay, I see that. Take that's your... a new one because that wouldn't have been there for no, David Koresh. No, no. <laughs> None of these, They'd I think, They'd all be alive if that song existed. <laughs> Dirty by Christina Aguilera. Oh Take God. Your Best Shot by Dope. Nope. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that one is. Uh, Babylon by David Gray. Wait, can you read oh, the... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ba- ba- Babylon. Babylon. The Barney <laughs> theme. I love you, the Barney theme. Oh, that could do it. <laughs> a Saturday Night Fever by the Bee Gees. No, what? Give that to me over and over again. <laughs> uh, the Meow Mix theme. Yeah. The Beautiful <laughs> People Wait, by Meow, 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 The Beautiful People by Marilyn Manson. Yeah. We are the champions by Queen is the last mm. one on that. That would be inspirational. I if it is a kind of repetition thing. 
And it all goes towards sleep deprivation, which is supposedly the most effective type of way to get someone to talk or relent. Right. Not pain. I'll just chime in with a quick update about the uh, news truck that um, was partially to blame that's on our board right now. So it was a cameraman, Jim Peeler, and the news truck was for KWTX TV. And actually, um, the ATF, uh, a few of the agents uh, filed a a civil suit against KWTX, the Waco Tribune Herald, and the Waco Ambulance Company claiming that their employees were responsible for tipping off the Davidians. And I believe that they settled out of court. On the board. (laughs) On the board. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to put, I'm just going to put the media. Sure. And we'll know who that guy is. Oh, right. Okay. You blame all the media. Yeah. No, huh? I think we should put KTXP Waco, okay. whatever it is. Okay. They're, they're on the board in the same area as the news truck. Perfect. Yeah. That, that, those are the ones we want to blame. Um, so how about that? They also turned off the electricity um, and the plumbing, perhaps? Right. But they, they were, had all kinds of stockpiled food and provisions, right? They did. They had food, but they had to like poop in buckets yeah. or something. So the siege actually goes on for 51 days. Oof. 51 days until April 19, uh, 1993. And that's when Janet Reno, Attorney General Janet Reno, approves... Uh, recommendations of FBI officials to proceed with a final advance in which the Branch Davidians were to be removed from their building by force. And in an attempt to flush Koresh from the stronghold, the FBI resorted to pumping CS gas from a M728 combat engineer vehicle with a battering ram on into the compound. And they do this for six hours. <sighs> but... Um, so, so these vehicles are like almost like, um, I don't know. You probably see them in a construction site. They they look like uh, they have like a scorpion tail, mm-hmm. and but it's in the front. Yeah, and they just start literally breaking the building. Yeah, and putting tear gas tear gas. Yeah, uh, inside. So my question is, at what point they knew that there were children in there? Was there ever talk of just stopping and going back and reassessing? And Or like, why not just let wait them out? Because they have unlimited resources on the outside, but they they have to have a finite amount of resources on the inside. That's a good question. So the, the big thing that people have written about and why it's so controversial is that um, there were... Um, ATF was seeking a budget renewal at the time, and they saw the sect as a nice target for a decisive kind of show. Oh, they wanted a win, and they wanted a, like a quick win. They wanted win. a flashy win, and that's probably why they tipped off the news. On the board. <laughs> On the board. So what's that, the ATVs? Just <laughs> the ATF, ATF. tobacco, and firearms. And Janet Reno. Yeah. Now... Janet Reno, all I know about Janet Reno is she's from Miami. Oh, I didn't know that. And she has peacocks. Really? Yeah. Really? (laughs) There's someone I went to high school with who lived in the same neighborhood as her. And what they would say is that she had peacocks that would escape the backyard or something. Oh, my God. We have sometimes we have peacocks in this neighborhood and you hear them calling from far away and it's, it's haunting. They go like... 
like a a yawn, like a mad yeah, yawn. Yeah, like a crazy <laughs> yawn. Yeah. So that this goes on for six hours. They're freaking throwing tear gas in there, and then around noon, fire breaks out into in uh, multiple locations in the building because of the tear gas, right? Or well, they that don't this know? is the thing that we'll never know. Oh man. The agents um, say that the sect started the blaze, while and then the survivors blame the government right. for igniting the inferno. There's a guy who talks about it in the documentary that says that he's one of the guys who ran, runs out. He was a, a Branch Davidian, and he ran out, and he said he heard someone pouring gasoline. They, you know, eventually find the. No one makes it out alive, other than those nine people who happen to run out, and. Also, there's a woman who runs out with a disc, like a, I don't know if it's a floppy disc, probably a floppy disc, um, that has like one of the seven, uh, gosh, what are they called? It was the seven... Um, Deadly sins? No. <laughs> C's. Seven It's C's. not a seven rod. It's not a rod. Um, a six track? No, no, no. He thing? called it. It was like an a track. Yeah. It's a biblical <laughs> a <six> thing. <laughs> a six pack. A seven seal. A six pack. Seventh seal. Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. It, he had written the first seal. Oh, and good that's for why him. he was <laughs> nice for him to do. <laughs> that's why he was putting off the siege. He wanted to finish. I see. His seven seals. He only got one done. But he he kills these children, these followers, but he sends a woman out with this floppy disk. <sighs> I mean, what do we have up there right now? So at the moment, we have David Koresh, Cal Ludke, Uh uh, and Cal was the guy um, who maybe tipped off the media. Uh Um, The news truck and KWTX and uh, cameraman Jim Peeler, uh, Sarabin, Uh and ATF. Good. I mean, that's a hefty board. But before, and we have Janet Reno. Oh, I'm adding her oh, now. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess the bus buck stops with the attorney general, right? I mean, she's yeah. running the show. So it's, we got at least put as her. far as a blame option goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good to have that Janet Reno option. It is, you know, <laughs> name recognition. But Janet Reno and her peacocks. Her, yeah, her obsession with peacocks. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Only a, a, a like, why would anyone have that in their backyard <laughs> as an animal of choice? I mean, they're beautiful. Yeah, they are. But they're as annoying as they are beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think I, we have a good amount, but there's a few things that I, I, I want to talk about with you, and you tell me what you think. Okay. I think the followers have to go up on the board. There is culpability to willing, like, uh, willing ignorance, you know, or what is that phrase? Why can't I think of it? Uh, uh, yeah. Willful ignorance. Willful, Willful ignorance. ignorance. Yeah. Because yeah. at a certain point, you're not 100% a victim. You're kind of choosing, you're signing up for this. You know better, but you talk yourself out of it or something. I think that's what all cult victims do. I don't know. I, I it's hard. I I want to be an empathetic person, but sometimes for cult victims, they play a part in it, and it's, it's like doesn't excuse what the the cult leader does. Obviously, that's horrible. But yeah, maybe that's harsh. I don't know. Well, I, I know, but shouldn't we all kind of hold ourselves like always be questioning? Yeah, like, like if you if you're in a group of people and there is 
girls as young as 12 or 14 having forced sex, essentially, you you can't justify that, no matter what you think your religion is and stuff like that. And so you are to blame, I think. You're complicit, at least. Yeah, accessory. It's just that, that, that that's an obvious one. Right. <laughs> that's just like an easy out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the guy's giving you all of these easy outs, like the, the, the Bible and the improving yourself. Okay, fine. If you want to drink the Kool-Aid. Ooh, uh, another. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll get to that mm. next week. <laughs> <laughs> fine. But when you're seeing these girls and you're seeing abuse and and you're seeing like people die, you know, dying and you're yeah. like, okay. And a guy's putting on a night long song. Again, <laughs> that, that's I, where you draw. Oh, I mean, that's where I begin. The other stuff goes without saying. But that one, that's egregious. <laughs> and and th- these are parents too. These yeah. are parents who are yeah. willingly saying like, let's put my kid through this. Literally offering. <sighs> their children yeah there's some blame there yeah so, so do you want me to add the cult the, members cult members because the ones also, that are parents yeah well even the ones that aren't they're you're also right, like you're right they're f- fueling no pun intended his fire you know they're they're building his ego they're feeding his yeah. ego and he's getting all positive feedback which is making him more and more narcissistic that's the thing I think with those type of people is you gotta kinda draw the line. Yeah. I'm gonna set a boundary. Reading yeah. here on the Dallasnews.com, uh, there's a whole timeline of what everything that went down. And apparently on the day where the fire began, the FBI um, who had bugged the compound heard the Davidians discussing spreading fuel on Koresh's order. Ew. Oh. Uh, so I don't know if that's footage that exists or if that's just what they say they heard or what but Mm. this is according to this article i'm reading it it seems like the davidians are the ones fueling the fire because did they believe that after they died they were coming back to life was that kind of their belief system they believed that they never they would all meet again Mm. it wasn't so much that they were going to come back to life that's another cult (laughs) that's the hail bop the heaven's gate is that um i i think they just like believed in heaven that this was just yeah uh, the end was coming anyway right yeah um so the the parents are up on the board the the followers are up on the board are you, are you guys ready to transition into picking someone to blame? Yeah, I mean, we're close. I I, I want to bring up another thing. Okay. Wow. And then, well, before... I'll, I'll bring it up, and then if you have any others, you can bring them up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good plan. <laughs> um, can we blame the Bible? Ooh. This is a big question, right? I mean... Wow. <sighs> I have some thoughts, but I want to hear yours. Oh, my God. I mean... Yeah, and and separately, can you blame religion? Sure. <laughs> okay, there you go. I agree. I mean, here's my thought. Without the Bible, there's no ammo, right? He's got no followers. He's got nothing to go on. And, he, and without the stories, he can't lay claim on being Christ. I, yeah, I guess so. But what do you found? Another thing like Manson didn't really... Right, he the had Bible. the Beatles or something? Yeah, Helter Skelter <laughs> and the race war. But it was just like, was his narcissism just all it needed was a vessel? So is the Bible David Koresh's 
closest thing and the thing he always understood. Was he always going to do this in some way? I wonder. That's a fair point, which is actually uh. making me think that maybe we don't blame the Bible. Yeah, in a way, and I can't believe I'm saying this. I know. Maybe don't I'm... blame the Bible. But religion, that's another thing because I, I, a wise person once said something to the effect of like the only difference between Christianity and a cult is a hundred years. It's just been in our psyche for as long as, you know, civilization has been along. So nobody looks at it as, as a cult because it's always been there. But it's the same tenets and principles of you're being asked to believe this thing, to follow people every week. It's not that far off. Obviously, this is way extreme, the Branch Davidians, right. but it really is just the most successful, biggest, oldest cult there ever was. True. I guess. I mean, I mean, I don't know about true if it's a cult. I think they, I, I, and I, I can only speak for like Catholicism because yeah. I grew up Catholic. And I'll speak for evangelical Christianity because right. it's in my family, yeah. I think, you know, I, they've done some terrible things in the past and they're still working on some kinks let's be honest <laughs> yes <Yeah>, they sure <laughs> are <laughs> but they're uh they're improving yeah in a sense definitely um i guess these maybe uh these cults if you gave them i don't know two thousand years maybe they'd work out the kinks as well um, oh yeah because some of that old testament shit is just as cataclysmic and violent i mean all he got all his ideas from the bible right yeah, that's a good point. That's a tough one because, you know, everybody's like always shitting on Scientology. And believe me, I'm not defending Scientology. but And it's got some crazy stuff. But when you look at it, it's no crazier than Christianity. It's just, again, we're used to Christianity. Yeah, but here now that I, I of course, I'm the one who brings it up. And now I'm... <laughs> yeah, you got to work through it. <laughs> um, it's the same thing as like blaming um, video games yeah. for... Uh, violence right yeah yeah we can't the the bible is a a book we can't i mean it's a very powerful book obviously it's and very popular yeah and big and long <laughs> and big and long and dense <laughs> yes <laughs> i mean there's just numbers there's a, a chapter just numbers yeah. of numbers <laughs> <laughs> you know i i just don't think it's fair yeah i'm, I'm probably with you too we not, are capable human beings. You got to take personal responsibility, right? Yeah. And some yeah. Listen to us. You sound like a couple of real Republicans. <laughs> Do we? Personal. Are, <laughs> pick you up by your own bootstraps. No, but I'm just kidding. But well, I agree but, with you. Yeah, but in a and also you, you know, there's a sense of community. You have to care for others. Yeah. And be aware if someone is is doing a dangerous thing. Like you have to be the alarmist. That's right. Oh God. Good point. And and Koresh is not a Jesus-like figure in that he thinks he is, and he's certainly acting like it. But Jesus wasn't going around taking other men's wives and stockpiling guns. No! And, I mean, it was clear that Koresh is 100% narcissistic. Yeah, I mean, we probably know where I'm falling on this. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, we're not putting Bible up on the board. Okay. <laughs> religion? Uh, no, I don't think we can put religion. Mm. Right? I mean, I'm always for blaming religion, but in this case, I'm, I think it's more in line with the Bible. It's it's down to personal responsibility. Yeah. So yeah. so I'm going to hand over the board now. Oh, wow. And the board is a yellow legal pad today. <laughs> <laughs> the oh, board it, has evolved. Uh, normally a whiteboard? Uh, yeah. yeah, we normally have a, a whiteboard, but it, we haven't had it the last couple of times. Nice. 
Um, so just for our listeners, we have David Koresh, Cal uh, Lutke, who is the... Um, Cal Lutke is the leak. Oh, the, the leak. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the guy media who... Leak or the, the media leak. Okay. The guy who told the media the, at but the it's station. it's crazy the, that someone in the ATF or FBI still had to leak to the media and they don't know who that is. Well, I mean, if you if you remember the, the thing about the them needing a budget... Uh, oh, right, right. It kind of makes... Mm. It's yeah. sneaky sense, right? What's the best way to get word out about yeah. how awesome your... Boy, that backfired. <laughs> Or did it though? I don't know. Did because, they get their budget funding? Uh, I think they did. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, jeez. <laughs> and and they did a pretty good job of da- you know blaming David Koresh. We all know him. Yeah, that's true. I mean, so okay, so we have Cal Ludke, the news truck that got lost. Um, camera guy Jim Pecker with KWTX. I, I think it's Peeler. Oh. <laughs> Peeler. Yeah. Okay. Now I see it. (laughs) I'm reading Amanda's handwriting. Yeah. Okay. There's Sarabin, who's the FBI uh, chief that Robert Rodriguez tells, and he's like, go on with it. Yeah. Um, ATF itself, Janet Reno, and cult members. Now, look at this board, Matt, and tell me how you think we're going to cross a single thing off of it. Because I'm having a really hard time. Are you? Yeah. I mean, I got a strong number one, but I'd be hard pressed to pick well, a number two. Well, let's cross out. Oh, we got yeah. oh, to eliminate. Let, let's eliminate. Process Ooh, of elimination. Boy. Uh, okay. Who goes out first? The, the, the news truck? I think so because it was stupid. Right. But I don't think it was malicious. And I think it was just a dumb coincidental mistake yes i i would agree with you and let this be a lesson to jim peeler for crying out loud yeah I get bet better with your investigation i bet it was because they were probably thinking like there's no way this info's getting into the branch davidians it's it's cool to tell a mailman <laughs> you can always you can talk to your teacher your doctor your clergyman or mailman and it's safe <laughs> is that a real not the mailman oh <laughs> <laughs> and I, I doubt the others now too, but <laughs> but okay, yeah, no, I'm with you. It was it was really dumb. So we're gonna cross the news truck off. Okay. Now media leak, Cal. He really, I I, I think he deserves to stay on for a little while. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Because and, and just to clarify, Cal Ludke was a longtime member of the McClennan Country. Sh- County Sheriff's Office, who was assigned to support the ATF's raid preparation team. So he himself was not a member of the ATF. Right. He's County Sheriff's Office. And what did he do exactly? Leaked, uh, uh, allegedly leaked to the media that the raid was happening. Oh, okay. I see. Oh, yeah. That's That's bad. Yeah, that's not good. Um, But again... But again, we don't know if he was told to. True. And he vehemently denied the charge. And... He's probably thinking because their power has been cut off that they don't have a way to hear. But that's not true. They must have had like battery powered shortwave radios and stuff. Well, but the bat of the power didn't get turned off till after. Okay, then the yeah, first then bad Cal, bad Cal, bad Cal. Yeah. But again, we don't know if he was told to. There's just not enough evidence that we can feel good about pointing a finger at him. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. So I'm gonna cross him off the le- list. This is tough. So now we got Sarabin, 
And he's the one that said, we're going to go ahead with the raid anyway, even yeah. though Rodriguez is like, don't do it. Yeah. Whew, that's bad. You got to trust your employees. Yeah, right. Trust yeah. them to do their job. Yeah, right. But at this, and at the same time, be a good leader. Yeah, he was neither. <laughs> I don't know. What I, are we going to do? Janet Reno? Cult members? This. <laughs> I guess maybe cult members and Janet Reno would be next to go off for me. Well, because I guess Janet Reno isn't so involved in the, in the handling of the raid. Yeah. She could have been easily manipulated by ATF. And she's, yeah, she's a little removed. Although, didn't she end up actually on the ground there at one point? Or is it, am I making that up? Oh, I don't know. I forget. Like if she went to go visit the, <laughs> Did a the, walk the officers during the siege. So you're David, huh? <laughs> I'm ready to take the cult members off. I don't think they should be absolved of full guilt. But in the end, they were victims to a maniac and should have known better. But I don't think that they would have wanted or meant for this to happen. I don't know. No. I mean, I, I I agree, but they they literally saw it happening. They could have oh, run right. out of the and fire. They, they stayed with it till the end. I know. God. And they they if if you're a parent and you're seeing you're you're going into a bunker, a concrete bunker where you know you're going to die, you're like shepherding the your baby along. I don't know, but they cult members get brainwashed they and it's something that are. happens over time and he probably preyed on specific types of people i just think cult members are culpable but at the same time they're also they're basically hostages and they That's they're true. also thinking like we die we get a great reward so they've got it wrong on all accounts i think but right but they think they're maybe think they're doing the right thing the misinformation they're being fed yeah is more to blame the difference is i think that the cult members actually believe that there's an altruistic reason for doing all this. I would, if I had to bet, I would say David Koresh knows better and is just a raging narcissist right. or at least is in denial, but that's happening because he wants this attention so badly. It's all for him. Right. Yeah. Okay, so I, I'm fully convinced now and I feel comfortable. <laughs> Good. Would you consider joining our cult? <laughs> uh, depends. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so Janet Reno... How do we feel about this? I mean, I, she's up top. I know. I just don't she's know the enough calls. about... I mean, she was the one that's basically like, we're doing it, getting it done. Yeah, Instead, we're going to do it we today. Just... Well, we can skip... We can talk about ATF or Saravan. So how the... is ATF separate from Janet Reno? Because isn't she the one... Oh, the FBI goes in in the end? FBI... ATF is doing the investigation beforehand, oh. and they call in the FBI to help them. Oh, then I'm ready to take them off. I think they probably had the best intentions. FBI? No, ATF. ATF. Yeah. They're the ones who are um, investigating the uh, ammunition and the guns. Yeah, they were probably doing the right thing, right? That's true. And FBI is the one who kind of like takes over the, the siege. Okay, yeah. I'm ready to say goodbye. But again, ATF is the one who needs the funding. All right. Well, still. I mean, there's a world where we put FBI and ATF yeah. together because they're working together. It's not 
one or the other. Yeah, and since we don't really have a name for any of those things besides Sarabin and Janet Reno, and we've got them on the list, I think the ATF generally and the FBI generally are a bunch of people risking their lives for the most part and trying to do good in this sense. They were trying trying their best to, right. to do it without casualties, I think. So are we going to cross them off the board? I will if you will. I will too. Because I got my eye on Sarabin, baby. Oh, yeah. He is dirty in yeah. my eyes. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I'd put him above Janet Reno too. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to cross off Janet Reno. I think he doesn't have the, Sarabin doesn't have the power to make the actual call. Uh-huh. I think Janet Reno does, but he's the one on the field. Yeah. He's, he's the one who's close to the action and he, and Janet Reno is hoping, is trusting that Sarabin is doing his job. Yeah. Fair enough. So I'm crossing Janet and her peacocks out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so now we just have David Koresh and, Sa- and Sarabin. Yeah. And I honestly don't know what to do. Really? I, for me, it's no contest. No contest. No. This, none of this would have happened in the, at the end of the day without Koresh. Sarabin wouldn't have made the bad mistake. He wouldn't have been put in that position. He didn't. It sounds like he didn't make the right call, Sarabin. But David Koresh continually manipulated serially abused underage girls and kept those people in a sort of hostage situation that made them burn alive and I know. do mass suicide, it sounds like. You he know? was the one calling the shots inside. And he made it all happen. He built that whole thing from the ground up. I mean, do what do you think about this? We could blame David Koresh and give a slap on the wrist to Sarabin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd even go a little tougher, like, you're fired, Sarabin. You're firing him. I think that's a pretty... Or you're, you're or bucked maybe, down or demoted. Maybe put him on house arrest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or he, you know what? You get a desk job, Sarah. <laughs> Probably already was a desk job. <laughs> put him on a beat again. I, you know, he's, he's, he has to be the mailman. Oh. Since that guy probably lost his job. Well, I think he died. I know. That guy died. <laughs> yeah. Sarabin, get out your dog spray and put on your little shorts with the stripe down the middle. You're delivering boxes. So it's settled. Okay. Is that okay with you? Yeah. David Koresh is going to the alarmist jail. So, I mean, this is, uh, this didn't have the twist that we sometimes have, but he's just such a despicable human being. Yeah. It feels satisfying. I agree. I'm very, I would be unsatisfied if it wasn't him, I think, because he was such a bad guy. Yeah. Good singer. Not so good on uh, knowing when to cut it short, but... Um, Well, thank you for joining us today. What a treat. I love this podcast. Thank you so much. After the Waco, a few survivors of the raid were tried in court. They were found not guilty of the murders of the ATF agents, but received lengthy jail sentences for their actions during and after the raid. The remaining survivors, some 25 in number, reorganized, published the writing of Koresh, and began the process of rebuilding the movement. By the end of the 1990s, it had more than doubled in size. Vote for who you think is to blame at thealarmistpodcast.com. And if you have any thoughts, comments, hesitations, we're thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Tune in next week as we'll be discussing the Salem Witch Trials. Ooh, spooky Halloween. Mm-hmm.
Eerios. Powered by ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.